so it's only appropriate that the worship leader gets on stage and talks about worship. <laughs> um, so I have a quick question for y'all. If I ask you, why do we worship? Specifically, why do we worship on Sunday mornings like we just did? Why do we sing songs? Why do we have cool lights? Why do we have good sound? All the different stuff we have. Why do we do those things? If I were to ask you that, what would you say? It's not rhetorical. Bring glory to God. Bring glory to God. Okay, good. That's it? No one has an answer? Good, good. Filled with the Holy Spirit. What's that? Yeah, for your soul. Mm-hmm. Fill our purpose. Come on, shout it out. Why do we worship? What's the point of singing in church? Glorify God. Yeah, glorify God. What else? Draw closer to him. To love him, draw closer to him. Thank him, yeah. Because the Bible says so. <laughs> Thank you, Patricia. That <laughs> hits a nail on the head right there. Um, well, I asked this question, and I, I watched a bunch of different people talk about this question. And a lot of, we get a lot of different answers from different people. Um, some of those would be, some of those you said, glorify God, lift high the name, be filled with his spirit, be good just because we need it, because the Bible says that we should do it. Um, and, a lot of, and some of the more prominent answers that I heard were, people are like, well, we're worshipers of something. As human beings, we are worshipers by nature. We are designed to worship something, right? And just so we all understand what I'm talking about, the dictionary definition of worship is to treat someone or something with the reverence or adoration appropriate to a deity. Let's do it one more time. To treat someone or something with the reverence or adoration appropriate to a deity. If you don't know what a deity is, it's just like a God spiritual like being. Um, so with that definition in mind, we are created to worship things, to give reverence and adoration to something. And a lot of the times it's the wrong thing. Sometimes it's sports, sometimes it's games, sometimes we worship people, sometimes we worship ideas, sometimes we worship churches themselves instead of the God in the churches. Sometimes you worship music, sometimes you worship art, and sometimes you worship God, and it just goes to show that we worship because we were designed to worship something. Um, I, one of the more prominent ones that kind of broke my heart a little bit was people were said, oh, worship on Sundays is just to fill time before the sermon. We just want people to be here longer, so we've got to fill the time with something. I can't talk for two hours. That was really sad. That is not why we worship. Um, some people said in order to prepare our hearts for the preaching of God's word, which is true, absolutely. Um, we sing because it stirs our affections. And what I mean by that is that when you sing, think about your favorite songs that you sing, think about driving in the car with your windows down, singing, I don't know, Taylor Swift, Taylor Clarkson, if you're me, <laughs> no shame. Um, but singing these songs at the top of your lungs and how much fun it is, how, how excited that makes you feel, how much, how much joy that can bring to you because it's fun, it's exciting, it stirs passion in us because singing and music stir passion within us. Music's universal, right? That's, we worship and we sing in church because music's universal. If there's one thing 150 people can get behind, it's music, right? If there's one thing, it's not sports, because I'm sure we've got Cowboys and Texans fans in here ready to go to war with each other. It's, it's music. And it doesn't matter what kind of music you like. 
everybody can get behind music. It's universal. There's a spacecraft, I don't remember what it's called, because I didn't write it down, um, that's just traveling through space from Earth, and it's got all kinds of Earth things in it for aliens to find. I don't know if aliens are real, doesn't matter. But it's there in case aliens pick it up. And what's the most prominent thing in that capsule? Music. It's music from Earth of all kinds. Um, a really cool illustration uh, is Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is sitting in a prison in Philippi in the book of Acts. And when Paul is in prison, he starts singing hymns and spiritual songs. And the whole prison crashes down, just obliterated. And Paul's freed from prison, yay, by singing. And the prison just is destroyed. Singing is powerful. Singing stirs our hearts and our passions I could probably talk about that all day, but I'm not going to, um, because I have two, for me, the two biggest reasons of why we sing, why we worship in church, um, and we're going to walk through this together, and the first one is because when we sing, we are shadowing eternity, and I'll explain what that means, because it sounds really cool, but it doesn't make a lot of sense at face value, but we shadow eternity, and when we sing, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Someone said that one. You took my answer. Um, so, let's look at the first one. When we sing, when we worship, we are shadowing eternity. And what that means is every time we gather, two or more, every time we gather in this place or any place of worship, it can be outside, it can be in someone's house, it can be in church, it can be in the woods, it can be in Africa, it can be anywhere. Anytime we gather as the children of God, we are getting a glimpse of what heaven is going to look like for forever, for eternity. We are getting a glimpse of what heaven looks like. And we see this a lot in scripture. So if you have your Bibles, turn them on. Ah, yes. <laughs> Junior high didn't laugh at that one. I really appreciate y'all laughing at that really, really lame joke. Um, but if you have your Bibles, turn them on, open them, whatever it is. If you don't have them, they're on the screen behind me. Um, we're going to turn to Revelation 4. Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to focus on verses 6 through 11. But I'm going to explain verses 1 through 5 really quick to help you understand the context. There's a lot of lofty language in this passage and just revelation in general. So let me give you a quick summary of chapter 4. So we start with chapter 4. John, who's the writer of Revelation, has this revelation, this vision of what heaven is going to look like, what the end times are going to look like. And if you read Revelation, it's super confusing and wild. Um, but John is called into heaven by Jesus. And when he gets to heaven, he sees God sitting on a throne. God sitting on his throne right in the center. You know, throne of God. I'm, I'm God. Boom. Um, he's on his throne. And the throne is described with beauties of all kinds of jewels, with jasper, with emeralds. And it shines brightly with the beauty of these jewels. And then around the throne are 24 other thrones that I'm sure are smaller with 24 elders on them. And those elders wear white robes and gold crowns. So we've got John's hanging out. He comes to heaven. Here's God, throne. I'm God, boom. And then 24 other thrones around him with uh, elders sitting on those thrones. And then we'll pick it up in verse six. In front of the throne, throne, boom, was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four, four living beings 
each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things and they existed because you created what you pleased. So there's a lot of big language and big picture ideas in that passage, and we don't have weeks to cover this passage and break down every little piece of it. So we're just gonna focus on one aspect and the fact that this is what heaven looks like. This is what worship in heaven looks like. So let's recap that real quick. So we have God, boom, sitting on his throne, and the 24 elders are around him. And then these these four big living beings with six wings, and they all have different faces. There's a lion, there's an ox, there's a human face, which I'm like, what's that about? And then there's an eagle. And they're literally circling the throne with their six wings and their eyes covered, their wings covered in eyes, which is creepy. Um, (laughs) This is probably why people fell on their faces when they saw angels, because they're probably terrifying. But they're circling the throne and they're saying, and I'm sure loud voices Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And when these living beings, when these guys circling the throne of God start singing this, which it says they do it day after day and night after night, which means they probably don't stop doing it ever, the elders fall off of their thrones and lay their crowns before the Lord. And Kaylin will cover that aspect more next week. What we're focusing on is the fact that the angels are singing Holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come over and over and over and over again, day and day, night and night. And that may sound kind of boring to you. Like, as a worship leader, I get tired of singing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. It just gets old. Like, I want to sing something else. But in heaven, that's not what it looks like. There's only a few phrases that we ever see in scripture that say this is what the angels are singing in heaven and this is one of them, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But what an incredible picture, right? You've got these these just beings covered in eyes, all different faces. They have six wings. Again, they're probably massive. Singing to God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when we come into this place, when we come into this place to worship him, we get a glimpse of that. And the glimpse goes further. So again, if you're you're still with me and you have your Bibles, turn to the next chapter, Revelation 5, verse 11 and 12. It'll be on the screen behind me as well. This is still John. And then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. 
And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne, to the lamb forever and ever. So um, who has been to like a big concert? here before. Most of us, yeah. You've been to some big concert. Maybe it's Taylor Swift. I don't know. Um, I have not been to Taylor Swift, by the way. It's on the bucket list. But if, if you've been to a big concert, you, you kind of have in your picture what it looks like when 60,000 people gather. Um, and I have a picture for us. Can you show me the passion picture, Kaylin? So this is Passion Conference, which is one of the biggest Christian conferences in the world. It happens every January in Atlanta, Georgia. They have them here in Houston as well recently. This is at the Georgia Dome, where the Atlanta Falcons play. This seats roughly 60,000 people. So let's just think about the magnitude of that. There are roughly 60,000 people in that arena. They, look like, they just look like a sea. Like don't, you can't distinguish anybody because it's just a sea of people. Um, has anybody been like to a Hillsong concert or you know, some really big worship gathering? Um, to get an idea, that's what that looks like. 60,000 people, and what they're doing is they've come together as the body of Christ and to sing praises to Jesus. And if you've been to a big concert, you know how loud 60,000 people can sing, right? Or even 20,000. It's loud. It's really loud. The concert's loud. The people singing are loud. It is a lot of voices Singing, picture that in your head, how loud that possibly is. I tried to find a video, but I couldn't. Um, and that, take that, multiply it to where it's millions singing to God. And that is what heaven looks like. The millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the elders are all singing in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. What an incredible picture of heaven. Because if you've been to those concerts, if you've been to those big worship gatherings, you probably have in your head like, wow, that was really fun. That was a lot of fun. That was really cool. That was a party. And that's what heaven's going to look like. Heaven is going to be a party of every living being singing. God, you are worthy. You are worthy of glory and honor and power. You are worthy of all those things, and we are going to sing at volumes that we can't even imagine to you. We're going to sing so loud that every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and under the sea, even the whales, probably like, or whatever whales sound like, maybe dories singing with them. But every creature, every living being, which would include plants, by the way, singing blessing and honor and glory and power to the, belong to the one sitting on the throne, to the lamb forever and ever. So when we come here, when we come to this place, the purpose of us coming here and singing, because you think about it, it's kind of weird that we just sing in church, isn't it? Like, if you weren't, if you're not, if when you weren't a believer or you've just come here the first time, you go, why do these guys sing so much? 
what is that? Why are they singing? Because, I mean, they don't sound that good. <laughs> I don't understand why they're singing. We sing to get a glimpse of eternity, to get a glimpse of heaven. And when we come to this place, we get that glimpse. And sometimes that glimpse is more clear than others. Like if you think about freedom or camp or when we have one night next week, if you've been one night before, it's powerful. It's really powerful. And we all walk away going, wow, God did something really cool tonight. It's really, really powerful. That is what heaven is going to look like. And when we pursue worship, when we pursue to glorify and bless the Lord, and all that means is to give God worth, the worth that he so rightly deserves, to lift his name on high and give him worth. When we do that, we get a glimpse of heaven. We get a glimpse of forever and of the joy and love and peace that comes with forever. I found a note um, in the sound booth this week. I think it's probably been sent there for a few weeks. But I found a handwritten note by the computer. I'm not sure who wrote it. I don't really want to know who wrote it. But I found it and I read it and I was like, this is profound. This is a profound prayer that we should all be praying every single time we gather in this place. And I want to read that to you. It says, Lord, thank you that a sinner such as I am allowed to sing to you in the great halls of your kingdom. Read that again. Lord, thank you that a sinner such as I am allowed to sing to you in the great halls of your kingdom. What a profound prayer. What an incredible prayer. Simply saying, God, thank you that a sinner, because the truth is we're all sinners and we all are undeserving of God's grace, yet he gives it to us regardless that sinners such as us get to sing to stir our hearts for God in the halls of his kingdom. In the halls of his kingdom are any place of worship, this place, big church, other churches, again, the woods, your houses, your living rooms, your bedrooms, whatever it is, the halls of the kingdom are not buildings, but the presence of God, right? And when we come here, we are just trying to get under that faucet that the presence flows out of and get under that shadow. Just think about it like a temple. A giant temple is sitting, and that's the temple. That temple is heaven. And then when the light hits it, it casts a shadow. And we are just trying to get under that shadow just to get close enough to see it. Get close enough to where it's not a silhouette anymore, but we can see the details of it. That is one of the biggest reasons why we worship on Sunday morning. That is one of the biggest reasons why we sing but there's also a second one, right? And the second point is when we worship, we are filled with the Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and just a thought on the Holy Spirit real quick is the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. He is God. He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? God the Son was Jesus. God the Father is obviously God the Father. And the Holy Spirit came once Jesus died on the cross to live and dwell within us all, all the time. If we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, if we become his children by adoption, the Holy Spirit comes and fills us up. He sits in us. He lives in us. He dwells in us. He guides our path to the Lord. Um, and it's by his power 
that we find God. It's by his power that we can chase after God and be faithful to God's calling on our lives. So with that in mind, turn with me to Ephesians 5. We'll be in 18, verse 18 and 20 through 20. And just to give you a little context, again, the Apostle Paul, we mentioned him earlier, wrote most of the New Testament, is writing a letter to the church in Ephesus, which is located in modern-day Turkey. And he's writing this letter full of all kinds of things. We actually, actually taught on it last time I taught. Um, but we're going to be in Ephesians 5, verse 18 through 20. All right, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's kind of odd that Paul starts this little section off with don't be drunk. Hey, don't be drunk. Are people taking too much communion? Why did Paul say that? Don't be drunk. Um, but basically what he means by that is in Old Testament time, or New Testament times, in biblical times, the non-Jewish people, the non-worshippers of God came together and got crazy drunk. And they did that because they thought it heightened their spiritual awareness, it heightened their spiritual seeing of God, their spiritual eyes, which it didn't, by the way. Um, And he's saying, don't do that. That's not the way to worship God. That's not the way to be filled with the Spirit because getting drunk doesn't fill you with the Spirit. It does the opposite. It dulls your senses. But then he continues, he said, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I thought that was peculiar. It's peculiar because I just said, when Jesus died and we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Spirit comes and lives within us, right? Like he dwells within us all the days. He doesn't leave and come back later. He doesn't go take a break and then come back later. He's always there, always working within us. So why does Paul say we need to be filled with the Spirit? And that word be filled means, in the original, te- in the original language in Greek, which is what the New Testament is written in, it means that it is a constant, ongoing action, but it's also a present action. So we have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are continually being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Like, we, it, it, it doesn't stay. We have to continually, as a pattern of our lives, be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is why we sing every Sunday morning, because we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And simply, when we are filled, our spiritual eyes are opened wide, We feel full, we feel joy and peace and love and patience and all the fruits of the Spirit and our eyes are open to see what God is doing, not that he wasn't doing something before, we just now have awareness of it. When we are filled with the Spirit, we are ready for battle. Right, we are ready for battle. Do we have any runners in here? Do you guys still carbo load, is that still a thing? Yeah, like the night before you have a run, I used to play soccer in high school, the night before, we'd eat a ton of pasta because it gave us energy, because it's complex carbs and health class. It gave us energy for the next day, for this, this run or the game or whatever it looked like. So we ate tons of carbs. That is what being filled with the Spirit looks like. We are getting ready for the battle. We are getting ready for what is to come. We're getting ready to fight Satan and his works against us. And we are getting ready to just know the Lord more because we are more in touch with him. 
We are given the power, the power is increased in us to be obedient to God, to follow after him, to give him worth and to fill us with joy and love and peace and patience and goodness. Think about one of the best times of worship you've ever had. I imagine most of us that have them by now. If you haven't, it's coming, don't worry. Think about one of the best times of worship you've ever had. It's probably been at Freedom or camp, or maybe you went to a big concert and it was there, or it was at one night last, last uh, spring. Maybe it was at pause in September. Maybe it was at the prayer service we did last year with the adults. But think about that time where worship was just, you walked out of worship going, man, that was awesome. That was awesome. I think back to Freedom last year and I walked out of that going, wow. I've never seen the Lord work that way. Um, but think about that time. Get in your head. Think about what you have walked away feeling. You most likely felt full, right? You felt at peace, or you felt like the Lord was speaking to you so clearly that he was right next to you. You felt ready to face whatever it is you had to face. You felt ready to rock and roll. That's what being filled with the Spirit looks like. And so often, it's at those big events that we feel with the Spirit the most, and then we chase that feeling for the rest of the year. And we find ourselves, at least I find myself saying, why can't this be like camp? Why isn't this over here like freedom? Why isn't this over here like one night? Why isn't this over here like that big Hillsong concert they went to last week? Like, why isn't these things? I don't understand. we are being filled with the Spirit, and when we seek to honor and glorify Him, we are filled more. And there are three aspects of worship to help us be filled with the Spirit that assist in the filling of the Spirit that I want to look at really quick that are just listed through here in Ephesians. He says, be filled with the Spirit singing or by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. So there's three aspects. Worship has a horizontal impact, a horizontal aspect, right? So when we sing, when we sing together, two or three or more gathered, when we sing together, we fill each other with the Spirit. Like, your singing fills me with the Spirit. My singing fills you with the Spirit in every other way. Like, every little connection that we can make in this room, we are filling each other with the Spirit by singing out. You think back to those amazing worship times. Maybe it was, two, maybe it was at 220 this summer or whatever it was. People sang, right? They sang loud and big and powerful and it stirred you to sing and exalt the name of God and stirred you to worship him. I, just, I can think of one illustration that's really fresh in my mind is I was at a conference in Dallas a couple um, Valentine's days ago. And Phil Wickham was up on the stage just with his guitar. If you don't know who Phil Wickham is, do yourself a favor and look him up. We sing some of his songs. Um, but he's up, he's just him and a guitar and there's 3,000 people there. And just to hear the voices of the people of God singing the praises of God, what an incredible sound. What an incredible sound. It filled me and stirred me to sing and worship the Lord more. Got me excited, like this is awesome. We're all in this together, this is great. I was filled because my brothers and sisters were singing 
And we need each other to be singing to the Lord. I need you to sing to the Lord just as much as you need me and need all everybody around you to sing to the Lord because when we sing, the Holy Spirit moves. He works within us. It causes him to work and move within us. We need each other to sing out with all that we've got to worship with our hearts. Not only does worship have a spiritual um, impact horizontally, but it's also vertical, right? So we sing and we stir each other up and we stir each other to sing and we sing united as the people of God. And then there's there's a vertical aspect. We're singing to God, right? To the one who is worthy of all our worship. And when we sing to the one who is worthy of all our worship, he reminds us of how good he is. We pick the songs that we do when we sing them on Sundays because they remind us of how good he is. They give us language to sing and know God's goodness. And they're catchy. Whatever. That's, that's, that's important, but it's not the main point. The main point is it gives us words. Songs like King of My Heart. God, you are good. You are good. You're never going to let me down. You are good. If there's one thing the, the body of Christ can sing, it's that. You are good, God. If there's one word that can encompass the Lord as closely as possible, it's that. You are good. You are good. We sing these songs to remind us and to help fix our eyes on Jesus. And when we are reminded and we fix and we worship with our hearts and with the passions of our hearts that God himself has given us, we are filled with the Spirit. And when we are filled with the Spirit, our eyes are opened and we are given peace, joy, patience, goodness, and love and kindness. And then the third aspect is that we give thanks to the Lord. So God, we, we sing horizontally, we're filled with the Spirit, we're stirring each other on to sing and come united as the people of God, and then we sing vertically, and it has a spiritual impact that God reminds us of how good he is, and then we give thanks for that reminder. And we sing out of a heart of thankfulness. God, you are so good. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that I am free in you. Thank you that you have laid down your life so that I can know you and have your good gifts that I have done nothing to earn. When we are reminded of that and we sing out of a place of thankfulness, we are filled with the Spirit. We are filled with the spirit that, God, you are good. I know you are working, even though in times may be hard. Thank you for the good times. Thank you for the reminders. Thank you for the Bible, for your word that teaches me who you are. I've said it a couple times now. We have the immense privilege to come, and the immense freedom to come into this place without condemnation of any sort and sing to God, the maker of the stars, the king of the universe who spoke creation into being. He spoke, he just said, let it be, and it was. 
We get to worship that God, this giant God who, who has done miracles upon miracles upon miracles and upon good things on the earth. We get to sing to that God, and if we sing out of a thankfulness, we will be filled. He has promised us that. We will be filled with the Spirit in everything we do in all the words that we sing. Thank you, God, that we get to be filled with the Spirit. Our worship is so important. It is so much more than filling time or singing some words. It is so much bigger than just a little time frame of music. It's so much bigger. It is moving hearts and minds to Jesus. It's so important. It matters so much. And maybe some of this is just not making sense. You're just, you're looking at me going, Dwight, what are you talking about? I don't understand this whole Holy Spirit thing. I don't understand this whole eternity thing. What are you saying? I have never felt that. I do not. I'm not with you, bro. If, you, if you're in that place, ask the Lord to give you understanding. Ask him for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Help me to see what you're doing and what you're saying. There's no reason. If God is so big, there's no reason that worship like one night and freedom and camp can't be like that in here every Sunday morning. There's no reason. God didn't get smaller. It's not like, well, here's, here's camp, God. Here's freedom, God. And then there's your Sunday morning, God. He's just, he just got small. He's taking a nap. No, God is tireless. He doesn't stop. He doesn't grow smaller ever and never has. He's never changed. He's always been the big, mighty God who flooded the earth, who split the Red Sea, who did all these incredible things and still doing all these incredible things. So there's no reason why this can't look like this on Sunday morning we get distracted, don't we? I get distracted. It is so hard for me as a bystander in worship not to get distracted by the little things in a worship service like sound levels or, hey, that guitar part was wrong or, hey, I don't like those lights or whatever it is. It's so hard for me to not get distracted by those things and just worship God for who he is. It's so hard for me on Sunday morning to do that because I've got a million things bouncing around in my head as we prepare worship for y'all. I get distracted. We all get distracted. And it's easy to toss those distractions aside at Freedom, at camp, or whatever big event it is because like, they're not even really there. Like, We're gone for days away from reality, from the world, and we're in our own little Jesus world for a few days, and it's awesome. But the distractions, they do come back. They, they, they're, not always, they're always the same. Sometimes it's just easier to ignore them than others. And as we close, I just want to look at a couple of them, a couple of things that can distract us from walking into this place going, God, I'm here to worship you this morning. First one is life is hard. I think we can all agree with that. Life's just hard. It feels like far often, more than not, life's just hard. 
We're dealing with insecurities, with stress from school, maybe pressure from our parents, maybe our relationship with our families is not going well, maybe family members are far away and it's hard for them to be gone. Whatever it is, life is hard. Life's hard. We're all dealing with stuff. We all walk into this building dealing with stuff, and it's hard. It's hard. I've walked into this building so many times in other buildings so distracted just because the week was hard or Saturday, Saturday was hard or morning didn't start out right or whatever it is. I walk in distracted. But God says, give me your burdens. Give them to me. I want them. Give me your burdens because all they are doing is weighing you down. You don't even have to bear them. Let me bear them for you. He says in the Bible, my burden is light. So let me have yours and you can have mine. Because it's light, it's easy, it's like a feather. He wants us to give them to them and that's what we have to do. We have to go, hey, we have to walk into this building and go, hey God, I don't want to be here. Anybody ever felt that? You can raise your hands, it's okay, I felt it. You ever felt you walked in here going, I don't want to be here. I want to go watch the Texans. I want to do whatever it is I want to do. Like, life's just hard. I just want to go back to bed. It's early. I'm tired. I stayed up way too late Saturday night. I just want to go back to bed. We've all had that, right? Life's just getting us down. But he says, God says, give me that. Give it to me, and I will make your burden light. I will make it easy. So that's what the first thing we need to do is walk into this building. When we walk through those doors, when we're pulling into the parking lot, simply going, God, I don't want to be here. Life's hard. I just want to go back to bed. I want to sleep. This, this, this thing over here and this thing over there is just getting to me. I can't get my mind off of it. Take it. I don't want it. Take it. I want to lift you up and I want to be filled with your spirit and I want to see a glimpse of heaven this morning. And the second one, real quick, um, is unconfessed sin. We've all got it. We've all got sin that is hiding away in us that we just don't even, we either don't know it's there or we just choose to ignore it and it weighs us down and it disconnects us from God because with sin comes shame, with sin comes guilt and we feel disconnected from God when we walk in this place and we don't want to worship. The desire's not there because we're not seeking the wellspring that the desire comes from. So how do we get rid of that one? Confess it. Confess your sin to God. Confess your sin to those close to you and say, God, I'm struggling with this. Whatever it is, I'm struggling with this. This is just wrapping up my life and I can't seem to get away from it. Take it. Jesus died on the cross so that we could do that, so that he could take our sin, cleanse it, and make us pure and right. That's all we have to do. When we walk in this place, God, I didn't spend any time with you this week. God, porn's getting me down. Jesus, I've been so angry and taking it out on everybody. Just confess it to him. He wants it. I 
have to do that. I have to walk in this place and confess my sin. Because if I don't, it will distract me from leading worship and singing to the king of all kings. We have to pre-decide. If we want worship to look like these big events that we do and these big moments, we have to pre-decide, God, I'm gonna walk into this place every Sunday morning and worship you. Every Wednesday night, for those two songs, I'm gonna worship you. God, remind me of how good your spirit is, how good it is to be filled with your spirit and how awesome heaven's gonna be with those giant beings with six wings and crazy eyes. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be so cool. Why don't you pray with me real quick?